Good morning, Mission View. I'm glad to join you online this morning. Um, if you've never been to Mission View Church or you've never joined us online before, welcome. We're so glad you're with us this morning. Hopefully you enjoyed worship so far. I know that I did. Um, we are continuing a series today that we started uh, quite a few weeks ago. It's taking us, taking us to Easter, through Easter. And uh, kind of the idea of today is um, taking, you know, what's next. Last week we celebrated the resurrection awesome. It was a great time. Uh, we were able to actually uh, record our services at our new building, which was really exciting. So if you didn't get a chance to watch that, it is posted online. You can go back and watch the service that was recorded in our new building. That's really exciting. So anyways, we're going to be continuing our series today on all things new, that Jesus makes all things new. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts today. So go ahead and open up your Bibles. You can... Uh, you know, run to, the, run to the place in your house where you keep your Bible and bring it back. I know um, last week was one of the first times in my life uh, being married and having our family that I was able to sit at home and uh, attend church with my family. So I kind of got to experience church the way you've been experiencing it this past six weeks. And um, I think I watched the service in my uh, sweatpants and a t-shirt, which was kind of nice, and a coffee in my hand. But um, anyways, it was nice to be able to talk to my kids through the sermon and answer questions. So it's, it was kind of neat to experience that and what you're experiencing even now. So you can even pause the sermon and talk about it and then hit play again. Man, it's a church on demand <laughs> at our home. So, but anyways, uh, today in Acts uh, chapter 1 verses uh, 1 through 11, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. Uh, Adam talked about it a little bit earlier, the, the, the one part person of the Trinity that, that can be overlooked sometimes or sometimes even looked at a little too much, you know, maybe emphasized too much. Um, and that's one thing that we don't want to do. The, the Trinity or the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this mystery that we have in this triune God, this three-in-one God, we can't really comprehend this. It's out of our out, out of our spectrum of understanding. That's why we call it a mystery. And that's why God is God. You know, so um, if we could explain everything about God, what kind of God would he be? The Trinity is one of those things. As, as much as we try to understand, wrap our minds around it, um, the, the, the more confused we become sometimes. Um, but um, so today we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm excited to be sharing this with you this morning because it's an amazing gift uh, what we're going to see is that Jesus said that he is leaving so that, and when he ascended into heaven, he told his apostles, I'm leaving so that I can send the Comforter to you. So, um, and this is going to be really good stuff. But let's pray before we jump in uh, to our text for today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time of worship that we've had. Lord, we thank you for the technology that we have that allows us to uh, gather together, even if it is online, um, uh, separate in our homes. God, I pray that as we look into your word today, that your Holy Spirit would do a miraculous work, that you would reveal the truth of your word in our hearts, that you would help us apply it to our lives and change us for your glory, for your kingdom, and for our good. We surrender to you, Father. We surrender our will to your will. And we say, come and have your way. Come and have your way in us. And Father, right now I want to pray for those that are home that are struggling with this quarantine. Maybe anxiety has tried to creep in. Fear has tried to creep in. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit now would bring comfort. God, that you would bring peace. 
We thank you that you are God, that you're in control, and that nothing surprises you. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. And we recognize you as King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's look at this in Acts chapter 1. It starts out like this. In the first book, now I'm going to stop right there. (laughs) Usually I go a lot further, right, when we're reading a text. But I want to stop us right here. In the first book, what's he talking about? Well, we need to know that uh, the book of Acts was written by Luke. Dr. Luke, you know, he had written the, uh, the book of Luke. So this is kind of a continuation or part two of Luke's gospel. And Acts is called Acts because it talks about the acts of the apostles, the working of the apostles. So Luke is going to continue on here. Now we know Luke um, wrote the gospel of Luke to really solidify the truth, the magnitude, and the work of Jesus Christ. Luke was a doctor, and he thought it was very important that somebody would document the truth of Jesus' life, the miracles that Dr. Luke was, was experiencing. He wanted to document these things so that the work, the ministry, the, the personhood, the divinity of Christ would be solidified in people's minds. So with that in mind, Luke is starting us off here in his second work, the Acts of the Apostles. So in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Now this is important for us to really recognize here. Luke, who's really writing this document things clearly and truthfully, he says he presented himself, this is Christ, presented himself alive to them after his suffering and death by many proofs. Now this word here, proofs in the New Testament, this is the only place in the New Testament this word is used, by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Can you imagine this? Think about this for just a second. Jesus resurrected in, I mean, in his divine eternal body, appearing to them and teaching them. They sat under Jesus' teaching uh, as he walked the earth for three years, right? But now he is resurrected. He has his eternal body. I mean, he is face to face with his apostles. And he's teaching them about what? The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, I like to talk about it as the rule and reign and the power of God now. And the cool thing about uh, Jesus' teaching and, and Paul's teaching about the kingdom of God is that we hear it said that the kingdom is now and not yet. When Jesus came, the kingdom came with him. But there's a not yet kingdom that the Bible talks about. And that not yet kingdom will come when Jesus comes a second time and fulfills all the promises, all the prophecies, and sets up shop on earth. So that's the kingdom that they've been hearing from and being taught about by Jesus for 40 days. Amazing stuff. If you could imagine that kind of setting, that kind of teaching. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said... You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
Now here is the question, right? They have sat under this teaching for so long. They've, they've, they've heard this during the three years in ministry and teaching of Jesus. And now for 40 days with the resurrected Christ, they've heard this teaching on the kingdom. And here's the question. Where's the kingdom? When's it coming? When are we going to restore this kingdom? There's an excitement that we can't miss right here, right? These, the apostles were super excited because Jesus had been teaching about this kingdom to come. This is awesome stuff, right? They were, you can hear this in this question. It'd be easy just to read over it, but there's an excitement. There is a passion. There is, there is something moving in them that's caused them to ask Jesus this one question. And then he answers them. He says to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. God's word for you and me today. Now let's get into this. This is some really awesome stuff. Now the first fill-in in your notes, um, and you can grab your notes at missionviewchurch.org, um, but um, you can grab them off there. And um, the first fill-in or the first little thing you can write down is this. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And it's in verse 4, it said, And while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is the promise from the Father, his Spirit in us. Jesus talked about this before his resurrection as well. Let's look at it. It's in John chapter 16, verses 6 through 8, and he says this, But because I have said these things to you, Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your, to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus saying, I'm going to go away, and they were sorrowful. And he's, but listen, this is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit that is, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So see, it was for our advantage that Christ ascended into heaven. He was sending us a helper. He was sending us the Holy Spirit. This means, now there's, there's a lot that this means for you and me, but here's a few things. This means that we can say no to sin and we can say yes to godliness the Holy Spirit moves on our hearts when we see wrongs, when we see sin, when we see righteousness or we choose righteousness or we make correct judgments. That is because of the powerful working of the Holy Spirit in your life, in our lives. It's amazing that God is doing that. We, when we see and experience any of those things, it is proof that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. And that, let me tell you, that is really good news. We have a tendency to see our sin and get all depressed, right? Like, you know, we make mistakes or, you know, we fail in some area and we have this tendency to see it and just be like, 
man, I'm such a loser. Why do I keep doing this? Oh my gosh. And we, we, we start to walk with our head down and, oh, woe is me. I'm the worst person that's ever walked the earth. What kind of Christian am I? Wah, wah, wah. We have a tendency to get into that, you know, kind of mope around when we struggle with our sin and we see our sin for what it is. And we're forgetting that the only reason we can see our sin for what it is is because the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us and is revealing it to us. That, my friend, is a miracle. That we can see sin for what it is, that we can actually recognize that I'm going down this path this way and I'm, I'm, I'm headed towards this direction and all of a sudden I hit a stop and God reveals to me that this is wrong. That is no reason to mope around. Now, that is reason to celebrate. That is reason to be excited because that, you know what that means is that God's not going to leave you on your own. God hasn't left you to your own devices. That he lives in you, he cares about you, he loves you, he's revealing this to you in his love and grace and mercy. Now don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Our hearts should break over the sin in our lives. But we can't live there. God's not calling us to live there. God is calling us to live in his grace and mercy. God is calling us to live with the cross in plain sight. Last week we celebrated the resurrection. Good Friday, the death and burial of Christ. Sunday, the resurrection of Christ. When we see our sin, when, let me say it this way, when the Holy Spirit supernaturally opens our eyes and reveals to us our wrong ways, our sinful ways, we should repent through joyful tears. Let me say it this way. Conviction of sin is something Christians should celebrate through repentant, joyful tears. Thank you, God, for not leaving me to my own devices. Thank you for loving me enough to reveal your truth in my life and for my life. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving me the way that I am. You know, the reality is this. Every single one of us, every one of us, have parts and areas in our lives that God needs to change. There is no such thing as a perfect Christian. All of us, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, I can guarantee you this, hear me on this, God is not done with you. He is not done with you. You haven't arrived. There's no such thing as arriving. Christianity is a journey, a long journey in relationship with our Creator. And when you're in relationship with the Creator of the universe, by His grace, He will reveal to you over and over again, at times that are pertinent, at times that are right, the things that need to change. This is a great thing, an amazing thing that God does in our lives. You know, I, I think about it sometimes and I'm like, God, why can't you just like show it all to me now? And why can't you just make me, make me right? You know, make me, make me a better husband, make me a better father, make me a better w w worker, whatever it may be. Maybe you've had these feelings too, right? Why can't you just deal with all of it? 
And I think the reality behind that is that is if he revealed all of us to ourselves, I think we would just fall apart. We would just melt. I mean, you, you think about like Job as he was going through all the struggles and different things in his lives and as he's kind of shaking his fist at the Lord and then the Lord gives him this long response. Job says these words. He says, I am undone. I am, I am laid to waste. I have nothing. I am nothing when I look at God. And I think it's, it's God's... <laughs> It's God's mercy that he doesn't reveal it to all at once to us. I don't think we could handle it. I think by his grace, it's in his perfect timing that he reveals these different things to us. You may be going through something right now that's really difficult. Well, I know all of us are going through something difficult. We're under pressure, right? We are, we are locked. We are quarantined in our homes, and, and we don't get out much, and, and it's been difficult. It's been hard. You've You've spent more time with your kids, probably more time with your spouse. And, and, and maybe in that time, there's, there's been some pressure and some frustration. And, and dealing with those things can be very difficult. Maybe you're going through that difficult time right now. God's revealing things in your life that need to change. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. That is the Holy Spirit's supernatural work bringing what it says in John, Jesus says in John 16, 6 through 8, he's going to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. We can have confidence that our sins are forgiven because of the cross, and we can move forward in God's grace. Don't focus on your sins, but rather caught up in God's grace and forgiveness of your sins. This is our freedom. Sometimes we focus too much on the sin, almost as if we were worshiping it, instead of focusing on the cross and the work of Christ. Another thing that we see is that we can understand and apply the Scriptures because we have the Holy Spirit. This is another thing that, that we have the Holy Spirit for. In 1 Corinthians 2.10, it says this, talks about the truth being revealed through the Spirit. God's Word revealed to us is life-changing and sustains us. But God's truth to the world is folly or foolishness. That's what it's talking about in 1 Corinthians 2.10. So we, when we have the Holy Spirit, we can actually open up God's Word, read it, and as the Holy Spirit makes sense of it in our lives. We can apply it to our lives because we have the Holy Spirit. That is awesome. That's funny. You know, even the good news of the gospel, that Jesus Christ would die for us on the cross, that he would die for our sins on the cross, it says this is offensive. It says, the Bible says that that is offensive to the world without the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a second. Without the Holy Spirit, even the gospel is offensive. The gospel kills pride. Another thing that the, that, that the Holy Spirit empowers is preaching. Preaching is completely dependent on the working of the Holy Spirit. I rely fully on God moving on your hearts as we open his word. Me preaching without the Holy Spirit, doing the work of the Holy Spirit is meaningless fruitless, hollow, shallow. There's nothing there. Every Sunday, 
I get up to share from God's word with you, I want you to know I share it shaking and trembling because I, I'm trusting God to do a work through his word. I have nothing to offer you, nothing to offer you in and of myself. The only thing I have to offer you is Christ and him crucified. As we look into his word and, and I trust that the Holy Spirit moves on your hearts. Another thing, yet another thing the Holy Spirit fuels is our prayer. We can pray effectively, confidently, and constantly because of the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father, through the Son, empowered by the Spirit. In Ephesians 2.18, it says, For through Him we have both access in one Spirit to the Father. Through Him, this is Jesus, one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to the Father. What an amazing thing that is for us. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says to pray without ceasing. So because we have the Holy Spirit, we can pray effectively and we can pray constantly. We are in relationship with God. And we can speak to God. We have direct access to God our Father because of what Christ did and sent His Holy Spirit. We need to pray without ceasing. Now, <laughs> this isn't like walking around, talking out loud all the time. You know, that may look a little strange to some people. But what this is, is a constant conversation that we have going on in our hearts with the Lord. It's recognizing that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, is always with us. He is never apart from us. Now, think about that for just a minute. That, that is really, really encouraging and really, really terrifying. I mean, every, every website you visit, every Facebook post you read, every Facebook post you write, every Twitter you tweet, every Twitter, Twitter you read, every Instagram post that you go to, every movie that you watch, every TV show that you watch, God is with you. Now, every struggle that you've been through, every temptation that you've worked through, every victory that you've had and every suffering that you've walked through, you are not alone. God is with you. That's amazing to think about, isn't it? Just think where we would be without the Holy Spirit. Lost, alone, powerless, Blindly walking in sin, thinking it was righteousness, we truly would be lost. We would have no true moral standard or compass outside of God's common grace. And you know what? We were all there at, at some point in our life, all of us. The reason I'm saying this is I think that we should not, as Christians, I'm going to talk to those who've given their lives to Christ here, we should not, as Christians, expect people who don't have the Holy Spirit to live as if they did. Have you ever been around a, a pre-Christian and heard them say something gross or offensive and, and then been kind of surprised or put off? Now, I, I think there should be a rub there. There should be a little bit of a rub there, but I think sometimes we, we hear the world, the people in the world, the people who don't have God, the Holy Spirit living in them, 
talk like they don't have the Holy Spirit, act like they don't have the Holy Spirit, and we get super offended and put off by them and think to ourselves, man, they're just, those, man, that's just, they're terrible people. That, they're just bad people, you know, as if we weren't. And the only reason that, that we're not acting out or speaking out the same way is because the Holy Spirit of God actually lives in us. We need to view the sin of the lost as gospel opportunities. Gospel opportunities. Opportunities to speak truth and life where lies and death have taken hold. Now in this quarantine team, quarantine time, we have talked about going out to our neighbors, talking to our neighbors, and, and, and trying to minister to kind of that circle of responsibility that God has given us. Maybe you've had some of those conversations and you're like, wow, I mean, that was rough, you know, that like they're dropping the F-bomb every other word, or maybe they're saying a coarse joke, or, or things that we've tried to, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have really tried to, to work out of our lives. And, you know, hearing that is kind of shocking, you know. Look, don't be put off by these things. Look at the sin of others as gospel opportunities, time to share the truth, the good news of Jesus. Don't participate in it. Be in the world, but not of the world, is what the scriptures teach us. Be in the world, not of the world. Don't, don't run away from those things. Be gospel light in those situations. Number two, the second point I want us to jump to here is this. We don't know the time or seasons, but the Father does. It's in verse six. Let's review it, six and seven real quick. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Now, this, this, kinda, this point here I want to jump into, I want to talk about trust. Trust, and that's a big word. It's a really big word. And I think this is talking about trust. It's one word, many emotions, fears, anxieties, and even maybe bringing up, you know, past hurts or pain. We have all been hurt, betrayed, or lied to at some point. We have all been let down by someone we've trusted. And so this makes trust very difficult for us. Now, now, as we look at this text, here's where the apostles were kind of coming from with this question. Jesus had talked so much about the kingdom. He had told parables about it, described it so many times throughout his ministry. He had spent that 40 days, like we said earlier, spent that 40 days teaching them about this kingdom. The disciples wanted to know when this glorious kingdom would come. And here's the truth. All of us want to know when this glorious kingdom's going to come because all of us deal with the effects of this fallen world, this broken kingdom, where we suffer the consequences of sin and death, where we see and experience the pain and anguish that depravity brings. They were frustrated and desperate for this new kingdom Jesus spoke of to come, and we should be as well. We should be sickened by drug addiction and what it brings. We should be heartbroken over sickness and disease. We, we should have a righteous indignation towards the injustice, murder, crime, and the darkness all around us. We should weep over the millions of human lives aborted every year. We too should be asking, when, oh God, when? 
When will you usher in this righteous kingdom, your powerful rule and reign with justice and mercy? So how do we balance this frustration, anger, feelings of hopelessness with with trust? We trust. We fill our minds with the things of Scripture, the truth of Scripture about who God is and what He has done, all the promises that He has made. We remember the promises that He has fulfilled, and we find hope in the faithfulness of our great God. He never fails. He never lies. He has kept every promise He has ever made. He is just. He is right and true, and He loves us, and He will come in his perfect timing. Everything he does, he does in his perfect timing. You know, I, ha- I have to repent of my anger sometimes. I see these things that I just mentioned and I shake my fist towards the heavens and say, hasn't there been enough? Have you ever felt that way? I mean, look at, at what people go through. Children dying, abortion I mean, all these things that are glaring, horrific things in our world, crime and acts of injustice. Have you ever felt, man, isn't isn't it been enough? But I know God in his incomparable mercy and grace looks down and you know what he sees? He sees souls, his creation. And with holy patience, He waits for perfect timing where the work of Christ on the cross will bring the greatest harvest and greatest glory to our Father in heaven. We have to approach these things with humility and trust, recognizing who God is and who I am. I dare not question his timing, his justice, or righteousness. Though my flesh wars against the truth of his word and providence, it is crushed when I look at his mercy and grace. Here's what it comes down to. You don't need to know. We don't need to know. (laughs) That's what he says. He says, you don't need to know the time or the seasons. The Father's will, by His authority, what He has set in place and His timing. Man, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? But I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I mean, that's, that is straight out of, of what Jesus said, right? I mean, that's what He says. It is not for you to know the time or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. I mean, we're talking about God's sovereignty here. And Jesus says, we don't need to know. We just get to trust. And we trust in a holy, gracious, and merciful God who has never, ever, ever let us down or left us alone or not fulfilled a promise that he's made. And that is 
great news. We have to remember God has perfect timing. But here's what we do know. Here's what we know is that God will restore order or his kingdom. He will set up his rule and reign and all of the wrongs that we have witnessed, all of the wrongs that we have seen, God will make right. He's gonna make all the wrong things right. And we will know at one, one, at one time, we will know every tear that you have shed will not have been wasted. Not one thing will go, will go to waste in God's kingdom. That's what we can trust and that's what we can count on. That God has perfect timing. Number three, get to work because Jesus is coming back the same way he left. And that's the third feeling. Get to work because Jesus is coming back. Let's look at it. It's in verse nine through 11. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. What a sight that must have been, right? I mean, we're talking like, we have movies and stuff now that kind of, you know, have special effects and you can have like Superman on a screen, right? And he's like flying around, floating around and all these other things. So we could, you know, kind of get what on a screen, what this may look like or whatever. But this is real. This isn't some Hollywood film. This is, this is Jesus in the flesh, standing on the ground, and then all of a sudden, gone, man, like into the skies, ascending into heaven, a cloud taking him out of sight. Can you imagine standing there and seeing this? What a sight that must have been. And while, get this, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, just, just behold, like poof, two guys show up in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Okay, crazy miraculous stuff here. This is the ascension of Christ into heaven. Jesus flies, you know, taken away by a cloud. And then poof, two guys show up in robes and are like, what are you doing? Standing here looking into heaven. You know he's coming back that same way. Go get to work. If anybody, if anybody had the right to just kind of stand around and be like, what just happened? Like Jesus was here, now he's gone. And you've watched him go to heaven. They're standing, just think about this. They're standing there watching just like, are you seeing this? Am I seeing this? And they're just staring in, into the heavens, right? And then these two dudes show up. If anybody had the right to just stand around, it's the apostles, right? <laughs> they just witnessed the ascension of Jesus into heaven. If anybody had the right to just chill out for a second and take it all in and be like, what just happened? It's the apostles. But they didn't, right? Two guys show up in white robes and say, yo, like he's coming back the same way you just saw him leave. You better go get to work. There's, there was no standing around. It was, hey, it is time to get to work. There is a strong expectation for us to be actively sharing the gospel. That's what I get out of this. Don't stand around. I know you just witnessed Jesus going to heaven. Don't stand around. If, if the apostles didn't have the option to stand around and gawk at this, we don't have the option either. And over and over again in Scripture, we see this kind of, this, this like angst. You have to share the gospel. You have to be salt and light. You have to, you have to go tell people the good news. It's, it is all throughout the New Testament that we see this, 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 this 
pushing towards this outpouring or outflowing that has to come out of us and letting people know about the good news of Jesus Christ because of what he's done, who he is, and what he's done in and for us in our lives. It has to come out of us. We don't just get to stand around. We are commanded to go, like we talked about last week. Go, because he is coming back, is what these two guys in white robes said, just the same way as he, as he left, in the clouds, in power, in his eternal form. Christ is coming back. We don't get to stand around. He's coming back in his eternal glorified state. God is not messing around. We really have work to do evangelism or sharing our faith is not an option. It is a command. And I've talked to people, it's so funny. I've talked to people and they'll say something like this. Well, I'm an introvert and, you know, sharing your faith is for extroverts. Or maybe this, I took the Enneagrams. You know what? It's not really in my personality. Or or this one, I'm an INTJ or whatever, X, Y, Z, B, whatever. And and we don't really do that. You know, we don't, we don't do that. I want you to know, hear me on this. You are not your Enneagram. You are not some four letters. You are not some four quadrants or two of four quadrants on a sheet of paper. You are a child of God. Here's the reality. God is changing you and me to be more and more like Jesus every day. He is shaping you like a potter with clay. You will not be the same tomorrow as you are today, next year, or the year after. As we use the gifts God has given us and we allow his word to penetrate deep into our hearts and into our lives, every part of us begins to change and reflect more and more of our creator. We live with more joy. We live with more peace, more patience. And all of the fruits of the Spirit and the consequences of our faith manifest in every area of our lives. Now, now don't get me wrong here, right? Like, personality tests aren't bad things. They're not bad things. Enneagram's not bad, you know, the whatever other things you're taking. Those, Those aren't bad. In fact, they can be extremely helpful. But hear me on this. You ready? Don't get so lost in who you are that you forget whose you are. Let me say that again. This is very important. Don't get so lost in who you are that you forget whose you are. Paul said it this way. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ in me. How does Christ live in Paul? The Holy Spirit lives in Paul. That's how I like using the personality stuff to kind of show me my weaknesses and, and show me kind of my leanings and where I'm going. And that helps me to, to see where the Holy Spirit's going to change and grow me and push me and, and help me step out of my comfort zones for God's kingdom. We are not defined by the answers to questions on a test. We are defined by what God says about us. Our destiny and purpose have been laid out before time began. You have been chosen to be holy and blameless, set apart for God. Don't buy into your brokenness and make it your identity. Just be aware of it and trust that God is changing it through the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. That is the truth. That is who you are. You are a child of God. 
not some answers to a test that you've taken. How do we put that to work in our lives? How does that change how we live? I think it takes sacrifice. A willingness to to step out of the four letters. To step out of the Enneagram or step out of the weaknesses maybe we've bought into. Maybe it's talking to a coworker about Christ or praying out loud when given the opportunity or singing out loud during our worship times or signing up to serve somewhere in the church or, or actually sharing the gospel in conversation with our neighbors or inviting them to church or, or doing something that we just feel slightly uncomfortable with but we know is the right thing to do. You know, the disciples, the apostles had a choice. They could have said, hey, you know what? Jesus has left the building, uh, so let's just go back to fishing. You know what? I, I know he says he's going to send the Holy Spirit, the helper, you know, but, you know, gee, he was here in flesh, and now we don't see him. You know, he's gone. I, I'm just going to go back to the boat. I'm just going to go back fishing. When they chose to step out of the boats, when they chose to do what Jesus commanded, they put their lives on the line. They were choosing death. All of them became martyrs. Well, except for John, who was, they couldn't kill. <laughs> they, they tried to kill him multiple times. So they just put him on an island. <laughs> they exiled him to Patmos. But they were all martyred. They were choosing death. I think we can talk to our neighbors. I think we can step out of our comfort zones. We have to, we have to remember. We ha That's why we celebrate the resurrection every year. It's not just every year, actually. Every Sunday we get together, we're actually celebrating the resurrection. That, you know, that's what we're celebrating every Sunday. And that's why we celebrate it. It's to remind us that Jesus, Jesus Christ was the God-man. He is who he said he is. And he's ascended into heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in you and me. And now we have the opportunity to live Holy Spirit-powered lives for the kingdom of God. You are not some normal person walking around. You have the living Holy Spirit God inside of you. And God has something special for you. His word says that before time began, he had plans and things set aside, good things for you to do. You have a destiny. And a part of that destiny is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. All of us, all of us have a mission. You have a mission. And you can do your mission because of the Holy Spirit and the power that you have because Jesus ascended into heaven and sent the helper like he promised. God's word for us today, we have a mission and we can fulfill that mission because of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Just to review, let's go through those three points again just in case you missed them. The first one is this, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Two, we don't know the time or the seasons, but the Father does. We have to trust in his timing, even in the hard things. 
And number three, get to work because Jesus is coming back the same way that he left. He's coming back in power, in the clouds. It's gonna be an amazing thing. And that should be big motivation for us to share the good news with others. Well, I'm so glad that we were able to gather together online and, and share God's word together. Um, I want you to know, I, I, I'm excited that um, our leaders, our country's leaders are talking about the end of this coming uh, sooner rather than later. We had some encouraging news this past week. Um, and I'm hoping that we will be able to gather together again as a church soon. I want you to know that the staff is working hard on safety protocols for when we are able to meet again. We're already talking through the ways that we can do this safely and fall under those guidelines that our government is setting up for us to keep everyone safe. And um, I want you to know that we're working on that. Well, remember, church, that God's created you to be his treasure here on earth. He loves you. Go give that love away to everyone you meet this week and talk to your neighbors about him. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.